Hello everybody and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host Dr. Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week we are watching 1997's Wild, spelt with an E at the end, uh, on the occasion of the 25th anniversary of its release. It's the biopic all about everyone's favourite Irish poet, Oscar Wilde. Yeah, take that, Seamus Heaney. Uh, now, we, <laughs> uh, joining me as always, we have someone who has seen the film before and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Katrina Johnston. Hi, Stephen. How are you, Katrina? I'm doing well. Excellent. Doing well. Yes, it's, it's a lovely Friday afternoon. The weather's yeah. good. And is everything good in the world of Katrina? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I've started rehearsal for a new show mm-hmm. uh, that I'm doing the lighting design for, which is nice. And yeah, I've been... Um, just come back from Brisbane after working on a show over there, which Ooh. was also very lovely. Would highly recommend Titters as a as a play or a book um, by Anita Heiss for anyone who is looking for a lovely, gentle, female friendly and female friendship book hmm. in the world. So yeah, look, you come for the you come for the movie, you get a book recommendation. Excellent and yeah. uh, wild, the nineteen ninety seven movie. Yes. Uh, what do you know about it? Literally nothing. Okay. I it was as when you announced that it was about Oscar Wilde, I was like, ah, oh, okay, my suspicion was correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, because yeah, you messaged asking me if to to be on the, the this episode and I was like oh okay I've never heard of that I'm like I'm, I'm assuming because it's got the e on the end mm. it's about Oscar Wilde mm. um, but I am not going to I deliberately decided not to confirm my suspicion mm-hmm. just because I'm like let's let's see what happens so you can be so, as yeah. unexposed to this film as possible yeah. it, it could have been about Olivia Wilde the, the, it could have been. Except it, 25 years ago, that would be a strange person to make yes. the film about. Um, or it could have been about, like, I was like, oh, maybe it's like, uh, what's that? Renee Zellweger. Renee? No, Reese Witherspoon. Very different person. Mm. Um, film Wild Without the E, oh, yes. which is all about, you know, throwing your boots into a river. Mm. amongst other things. I don't know if that comes up in this film. Uh, I feel like it wouldn't. Yes. And and, and Oscar Wilde himself mm. uh, as a figure, are you a fan? Um, yes, I am. Uh, well, I'm a fan of his works to be... Uh, to the extent that I am... that I know them or appreciate them, which, like, I don't... I wouldn't say I'm an expert by any stretch of the imagination. I think he was a very interesting person. Um... I think depending on how you look at him, he probably would have been a great person to hang out with. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, maybe he would have been an absolute douche canoe. Mm. So, I don't know. Well, hopefully this film will illuminate that for yeah. you um, over the next couple of hours. Luckily for you, we do have somebody here who has seen the film. Uh, and it is uh, Dr. Ellen Sears. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Dr. Ellen. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Any exciting projects or life developments recently for you? Uh, well, we bought a house, so that was exciting. Woo! And yeah. we just moved in. <laughs> yes. We're not recording in there, though, unfortunately. No, we're not. Because the TV's not set up yet. <laughs> yes, that house is not ready for podcasts. Not ready for podcasts, but it will be very, very soon. And yes. then we can yeah. put up the scratch off the movie thing on mm. the wall. Now, I note that Wild is not one of those movies on that poster. No. Of like a hundred movies to cross off. And indeed... No. I was surprised by how few people had seen this film when we Doesn't put the poll me in up. The slightest. But in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what what can you tell people about Wild? It's a biopic about Oscar Wilde, mm-hmm. as we have already ascertained. It's got some 
pretty i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sort of spoil the casting of mm. all the people because I, I'm, I'm interested to watch Katrina and be like oh my god i'm expecting stephen fry this to be person's in, in it and this person's in it mm. yes well um, you are correct stephen fry correct. is in there yeah. somewhere yes, fry i'm expecting also rupert everett Okay. Okay. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're not gonna reveal any more. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Um. But yeah. There's a lot of. Oh, this person's in this. Holy crap. Mm. Oh. Oh, that person's in here as well. Holy crap. Mm. Um. There's a bit of that that goes on. Um. Yeah. I think it's quite typical of like those period appropriate um biopics from this sort of era. It's that mm. same sort of um look and style as a lot of other. Um, movies set in the past in this time period and I, I mentioned this specifically because I've watched recently um, the recent adaptation of Little Women mm. um, with Dr. Sarah Curtis who also comes onto this program quite routinely and I had only seen the one from the 90s and she had only seen the one from the 2000s the recent one so we watched the 2000s one and I said well we've got to go back and watch the 90s one together at some point now Um but yeah, the two thousands one is quite non-linear. I hated the two thousands one. You didn't I like just it. Just recently watched it. I and, didn't. I thought and it was interesting, but like, but like really compared to the nineties one, like the nineties one was very like linear and like there's there's a specific kind of feel yeah. to those kind of nineties yeah. sort of period dramas and things like that. This Wild has got that same kind mm. of a feel as things like. Um, a little princess and like mm. all, all those all those literature adaptations that were happening around that mm. sort of so, time yeah, period. From that, I'm expecting something. It'll be good quality, but not necessarily outstanding. Mm. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Um, is that's my memory of it. I mean, that said, yeah. I probably haven't watched this film in about ten or twelve years. Oh, it would have been in the last decade because the only reason I've watched it is because you sat me down. Yeah. When we started watching it, the, when we the, were courting. The first time I watched it would have been twenty ten because I was doing a play at uni. Doing Wild Night, which yeah. was the first time I did a lighting design. Yeah, Ooh. in twenty ten. Yeah. Um, and I watched this so that I could learn more about um. Oscar Wilde's wife Constance because she was one of the characters I was playing and so I was like oh it's a biopic about his life I'll watch that and I was like oh this is pretty good and then yeah I demanded that you watch it with me because I was like I feel like you will appreciate this mm. but that would have been like 2013 mm. yeah it's been it's been a 14. while since I've watched it um and Oscar Wilde himself yeah. the the real life poet um are you are you a fan of Oscar Wilde yeah I like his stuff I think that his plays are really quite funny um it's sort of like silly little dramatic things, but also he was trying to take the mickey out of the rich people, which I quite enjoy. Um, some of his poetry is very good. He's written some really sad fairy tales, which is exactly my jam. Like mm-hmm. The Happy Prince is so depressing. Mm-hmm. It's such like, you, you know how like kids media used to be like actually sad and have consequences? Mm. Yeah. He I'm wrote think, some... I, I just recently, the other day, I was discussing about um, Animals of Farthing Wood oh, and yeah. um, Land Before Time. Oh mm. my God, Land Before Time was so yep. scarring. Mm. Yeah. Terrifying. We were in Ikea today um, looking at stuff and they had little Diplodocus toys. And I was like, oh, look, it's Littlefoot and the sharp tooth. And Stephen's like, oh, oh yes, of course, that yes. thing. I was like, yeah, my childhood it's just yeah. scarred us all forever. So what I got from that is Oscar Wilde wrote The Land Before Time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, no. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I really like his stuff. I really like, I, I like most of his stuff. I like some of his later poetry as well. Like Ballad of Reading Jail is like, oh, Jesus, like that's very intense and heavy. And then you've got his sort of little 
parlor comedies that he did and then mm. cho- like, he was quite prolific in a lot of different subgenres. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, a lot of his like personal life stuff is quite tragic. You know, mm. it's one of those things where it's like, man, if you'd been born like a hundred years later, like he probably wouldn't have um, written the same stuff that he'd written, but he might have had a bit of a less crap time of it. Absolutely. Well, with all that being said, shall we watch Wild? Yeah, let's do it. Get to it. Okay, for those of you listening at home, pop in those DVDs, load up those streaming services, and prepare to resist everything except temptation as we watch Wild. Welcome back, everybody. We've just finished watching Wild. Wait, there's no exclamation mark. <clears throat> Wild. Uh, we've just finished watching 1997's Wild, and I'm joined once again by Dr. Ellen Sears. Hello. And Katrina Johnston. Good evening. Yes. Uh, as we have just finished watching Wild, oh. Katrina, and it was your first time watching it, we turn to you and ask, what did you think of the movie Wild? Um, I think I was right. In my summation before we watched it, of it'll be, it'll be good but not amazing, mm. and yeah, I think I'm I'm quite happy with that statement. You were paying um, on the money. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, it was very nineties, as you said, Ellen. Oh yeah, and and yeah, just that particular time where they liked to do costume dramas, and they would just had that particular soft flavor focus soft focus Overlays. this one very much looked like it was meant for tv yeah um, slightly crap soundtrack yeah which was just the same song played. just the same yeah violin. just the same violin yeah. Yeah. moment same um, sad violin but that being said it was still it was still decent mm. yeah it's <clears throat> it's interesting because i remember when i first watched it Rather liking it, but I wasn't as familiar with the story of Oscar Wilde's life and, mm. and the period that's covered in this film. Watching it this time... Which is m- pretty much most of his life. Yeah. it's it, This time watching it, though, it kind of feels like like a, a greatest hits or like a most notable moments. Mm. Yeah. But the, we don't ever really linger on any one specific period. Yeah. You kind of smash through a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I, I don't know about you, Ellen, but when I was rewatching this, a bit of me was like, oh, this is, this is, this is jumps. fine, yeah. but it's not, I, I seem to remember it being slightly better than how I yeah. think it feels this time. Yeah. I would agree with that. I feel like, I mean, obviously, watching it like 10, 13 years after its release and now watching it like 25, it's a a big jump. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) this was a co-production between BBC Films, Capital Films and Pony Canyon. So I'm not surprised that the BBC are in in on that. Mm. Um, It's got that very nice... It's kind of funny that Jennifer Eel is... Eel, L, how do you say her name? Jennifer Ely, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny that she's in it because it's got that Pride and Prejudice yep. vibe, which I think was only like two years prior to this. I think that was '95. This is '97, and I think yeah, that was '95 or '96. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a Pride and Prejudice person. 
Yeah, but it was um. like very similar kind <laughs> vibe, of vibe. Costume Even the filming drama. style. Yeah, mm. like that kind of soft focus, like lots of landscapes and... Lot, lots of landscapes because it's cheap. Lots of the same kind of interiors or only very small parts of interiors because it's cheap. Yeah. And they can, you know, they're the BBC. They can just go to one of the landed gentry and be like, can we, uh, excuse me, hello, yes, uh, BBC, uh, can we borrow a corner of your drawing room? Mm. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. It's interesting looking at it as well. I'm just looking up the box office figures. So Mm. this, this movie, as far as I can tell, didn't make its money back. Oh, makes sense. Um, and it it wasn't a it wasn't a terribly expensive film, but given that it was a BBC co-production, it probably was. So the 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 official budget, if you go to IMDb, is mm. estimated at being around ten million dollars American, so about five or six million British pounds. Yeah. Um, it's gross. The only gross figures we have are for the US and Canada, which was about two million dollars. Yeah. Realistically, worldwide, it's probably not made another eight million on top of no. that. No. To be um, honest, I can't imagine the Yanks would have been particularly interested in a film about Oscar Wilde. And and also, it it, it is a very British film because mm. aside from Jude Law and maybe nowadays Michael Sheen, mm. y- you wouldn't say that any of those people in the film are. A-listers, even Stephen Fry, who is incredibly well known, I I don't think would necessarily be considered like an A-lister Hollywood actor. Well, with the exception Mm. of the Rent Boy, right at the beginning. Oh, and and of course Orlando Bloom. Because you know they would have they would have definitely billed him. (laughs) Yes, if they realised what he was going to go on to become. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they knew he was going to do. Lord of the Rings, Pirates of the Caribbean. It's kind of funny to think he would have started filming Lord of the Rings two years after this. Mm. Yeah, it was very close because Lord of the Rings started filming, yeah, 99. Yeah. Yeah. It's... So... He might have still been in drama school when he was doing this. Oh, he would have been, absolutely. So... It's interesting thinking about this film because there are things which are quite good about it. And I think Mm. we should probably focus on them first. The casting Uh, is... Well, first of all, the casting of Stephen Fry as Oscar Wilde. He I, really looks I, like him. I, I think it's... He really does. If you look yeah, at photographs I, of him, I, I think I know really Katrina does. has some reservations yeah. about this, but I, yeah. I, I don't know in... 19, thinking about 1997, I don't know who you could have cast as a better Oscar Wilde in terms of this film's version of Oscar Wilde. I think Wilde. you're yes. right in terms of if they were doing it today, it would be somebody like Timothy Chalamet or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think so. Oh, although Timothy Chalamet is probably too young. Like maybe Oscar yeah. Wilde as he's going through university or something like mm. that. Maybe baby um, Oscar Wilde. Or maybe when he gets a bit older. Maybe yeah. He could. Um, but no, I even then, mm. I don't think... Look, I really like Stephen Fry. Mm. He's a mm. very interesting person. I would really like his writing. Um, I love him as the QI, when he hosted QI. Mm. As a person, as a speaker, he is a very interesting person. As an actor, I don't find him very good. Okay, Okay, that's fair. I cannot, I don't find him very emotionally connecting um, or very, I can't easily emotionally connect with him. With the one exception of his character in V for Vendetta, Mm -hmm. when that character is Mm. about to be taken away. Yes. I think he's got capacity to but he does tend to get cast as Stephen Fry type people Mm. Um, you know the the Jeeves and Worcester series from the 90s where he's playing uh, Jeeves the butler Uh, he's he's perfect in that role I think he has excellent comic timing Mm. as you see in QI 
as you see in Jeeves and Worcester. And, and, and the And uh, Hugh and Laurie, a little yeah. bit of Hugh and Laurie. Mm. He's got excellent timing, mm. but he's not really, in those sort of things, he's never really playing a character, essentially. He's playing someone to convey lines. And I feel like in this, he needs to be a character... And there are times where I think the the show the the film is well served by it. Mm. There are other times where I'm like, I just wanted more. I can't connect. Yeah, um, he, it's interesting as well because it, it's one of those things where it feels like Stephen Fry is, you know, quite as close to born yeah. to play the role yes. as as someone can be in terms of the similarities in who Stephen Fry is and who Oscar Wilde was. Mm. And personally, I really like him in this role for mm. this version of Oscar Wilde, the way yeah. they're choosing to present him. Um, but I also agree that I, I think he's not maybe the right actor when it comes to those big moments of emotional turmoil. And yeah. I, I do think it's quite notable when you compare that to Michael Sheen or Jude Law, uh, yeah. particularly Jude Law, uh, when they're having their big tumultuous emotional moments. Mm. Um, I, I don't think Stephen Fry quite gets to that same level. Yeah. But on the flip side, I think he captures the sort of charm and uh, Victorian era yeah. wit- witticisms and affectation. And I think he plays prison Oscar Wilde exceptionally well. Yeah, I, I think, think he plays completely broken. I think broken. I would agree with you yeah. on all of those points. Yeah. Mm. He's um, yeah, yeah, but I, but the thing is is you have to get your Oscar Wilde right mm. if you're doing an Oscar Wilde film and I, I think largely he he's great casting and I really like how he bounces off Michael Sheen. Yeah. But I also think that he's not he isn't the strongest actor in this film. No. And no. I, you know, and I I really like Stephen Fry. I think he's fantastic and as evidenced by you know, a lot of the people that he's up against. Yeah. You but know. I think that is partly because... It's a fantastic cast. Yeah, the casting yeah. is really good. Uh, Jude Law, I want to punch him in the face. Yeah, he's he, very he, punchable. He absolutely nails Bosie. I said Just at one point, I feel like this petulant is... Petulant little child. Yeah, this he's is the so film petulant. that got him hired for Alfie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He he's, plays a petulant little shit so but, well. But, mm. I, but I also believe him oh, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think Bosi is a caricature when he, he sort of represents that sort of the worst of sort of the Victorian era British upper class toff who is so self-centered yeah. and, and so unable to be empathetic towards anyone else but I completely believe that that person is real in the world of this film yeah, I don't believe yeah. it's just Jude Law coming in and, and faffing around mm. it's mm. and I think it reflects really well with um when Lord Queensbury starts to be brought into the film as well, played by yeah. Tom Wilkinson, yeah, it then, really reflects. You, you were right, really, because at one point you said, oh, Bosie's just his father. Mm. He, like, he's the exact same person. And thinking about it, I was like, yeah. He just doesn't do beat actually, people with a horse whip. They have the exact same energy, just their reasonings and their focus are different. And their execution mm. of it is different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, th- and that's kind of the great tragedy for Bosie, is he so... Mm despises his father mm. but they're, they're they're exactly the same person yeah um and so in a way there is a lot of probably self-hatred yeah. and self-dislike that was the there. thing that really annoyed me that when we were discussing because you were very handy with your phone checking up and i was like oh when did this person die and mm. you were very kind to look that up for me mm. um 
I was very, I'm very annoyed with the fact that Bosey lived to a uh, ripe old age in his 70s. I'm like, that f- did not deserve it. <laughs> Sorry, you're going to have to bleep out a that's, lot today. That's, that's okay. But also, you know, life isn't fair. And I think this film really shows yes. life isn't fair because, mm. uh, of, well, I mean, uh, you know, Oscar in real life and obviously as the character in this film he is um sent to prison for being gay mm. um and indecent acts yes for technically. Uh, homosexual behavior and we know that um he was given the maximum sentence that the law allowed which was two years hard labor um and these were uh, homosexuality was not decriminalized until 1967 yeah. in the uk um, which is quite recent, <laughs> and uh, it's yeah, it, yeah. Well, it's like you said that was that was the your mum was born. Yes, I wasn't going to say like, that in a podcast. Oh, you can cut it out. Well, she listens and she'll be horrified because well, she wants everyone to think so she's, she's twenty eight. Wait, nineteen sixty seven. That was my mum was uh, not quite a teenager. Mm. My mum was born in fifty eight, so she would have been. Do you want Do you want to hear some more horrifying historical laws um, that sure. existed far too late? You mean, okay, go ahead. Yeah, not not necessarily to do with homosexuality, mm. although homosexuality was only decriminalised in Tasmania in the 90s. Yep, mm-hmm. I knew that um, one. The other crazy one is uh, marital marital rape oh. was outlawed. Yeah. The final place for it to be outlawed in Australia happened in, uh, I think it was the 90s. Mm. Yeah. And that was Northern yep. Territory, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, some some laws be a long time coming, uh, yep. and that's not great. And I think it's it, it's quite interesting because I feel like if an Oscar Wilde biopic was being made around now, mm. I feel like there'd be a lot more focus on the, the injustice and the, of, and and the women and, and the women. Yes, but on, but on the injustice of like just because I love these yeah. men means I have to go to jail. Whereas in this film, it it is an injustice and is discussed, but it's much mm. more about. It happens it, in five minutes. Yeah, and it's much more about the the personal interplay between yeah. Oscar, Bosey, Lord Queensbury, and a little bit Robbie. Yeah. Um, when, when he gets involved and he's trying to do everything for what would actually be best for Oscar. Mm. I, I, yeah, I do feel as though in a contemporary retelling, they'd, yeah, they'd be much they'd... more focused on him as a, as a gay icon. In yeah, a way. Because sure. he is. In a yeah, way, we is. have a contemporary retelling. Well, like the, the, you're, the film you're talking about really mm. is Enigma. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Not Enigma. Imitation Game. Oh. It's about the Enigma oh, yes, machine. And jury. Yes. Because that, and I feel like if this film was made today, it would be in that. Vein. It would it would start with the trial, and it would the trial flashback. would be intercut. Yeah, with, it would flashback. Hmm. With it wouldn't his, start uh, as this film life. does in a silver mine in Colorado. Yeah, in 1882, which I I think that's partly just in there so that for the American audience they're like, all oh, right, we know this country, yeah. it's ours. Um, I, every time this film starts, I keep thinking. Oh, it's the Wild West, but with an E, <laughs> and that that's what it's going to be. It's going to be Oscar Wilde, but as a cowboy, and it never Oscar is. Wild Wild West. Yeah, Oscar <laughs> Wilde. Yeah, that would be great. Will Smith could could play Ta- someone. <laughs> no, not not Oscar. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Why not? Oh yeah, mm. okay. I could. I see feel that. like Will Smith could pull that off. Yeah, he could do a little rap as mm. well. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really fun. Um, but yeah. yeah, the other alternative is um, if they were going to do this film today, it would be something like what we did for Wild Night, which was mm. essentially him sat in an armchair like old Oscar but before he went to prison hmm. so like him his mother um Ada and Ada just sitting around talking about his wife 
talking about stuff. His wife's sitting sadly in the background. It's a nightclub. Mm. And all of the characters from his plays coming up and doing sections. And Did you see this, Stephen? I saw, yeah. You saw I, a wild night. I saw yeah. a wild night, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was great fun. Yeah, I yeah. love that show. But it would yeah. be like that, but like the, the Moulin Rouge style well, thing. Mm. It would be like a jukebox. It'd be like a Baz Luhrmann kind of like. That's what I was going to say. Like, I, that's the other way that this would be done today. It yeah. would either be like the imitation game, it would be like Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Mm. You could, and and I, Oscar Wilde. And I think that would be great, honestly. I, I could see I Oscar, Wilde, Oscar Wilde's story sort of lending itself to that sort of retelling yeah. even though for me with Baz Luhrmann biopics they they're sometimes a little bit hit and miss like with that like, style I feel like that I don't know I, I, feel, I still haven't seen Elvis I, so I don't know yeah, whether yeah. or not it's well, apparently, it works apparently it's you know it's it's it's, it's, it's good in style not necessarily in substance mm. <laughs> which is fairly normal for particularly Baz Luhrmann since the mid 2000s mm. um I disagree I don't think Baz Luhrmann-esque suits Oscar Wilde because he is although in some ways yet he he epitomizes style over substance he mocks it even mm. yeah um he's he's Peter Greenway Peter Greenway or Peter Brooks I can't remember the uh, director's name mm. he would be Peter like what's that guy's name he was what did he do he did. Uh, the only thing I saw him do, uh, the only film that I saw of his was The Tempest, and it's a real, like, weird version of it. Oh yeah, very avant-garde. Um, the main thing I remember is naked cupids swimming and massive, okay. massive hats. This wasn't the Helen Helen Mirren one. No, no, that's no, that's, that's too recent. This was this was the eighties. Oh, okay, yep. Or possibly even later. Mm. Um, uh, I'm getting Peter Brook. When Peter I Brook. Yeah. yeah, it's Peter Brook. I think he would be a Peter, Peter Brook type person mm. who is the artiste's artiste. Whereas I feel like Baz Luhrmann is... Um, too manic. He's too manic. Mm. Mm. Yes, it was very well cast. Mm. Um, and it feels like this, this movie is a... Um, Particularly looking back on it now that we've had 25 years, mm. um, this is the beginning of the new generation. Or, or maybe like not even quite the beginning, but you're, start, you're seeing the beginnings of the new generation of um, British acting talent. Yeah. Because yeah, as sure. you said, we've got Stephen Fry. Although he's not so much an actor's actor, um, he is still like a performance talent. You've got Zoe mm. Wanamaker. He's great. Um, so good. Yeah. Jennifer Eel. Eel? L L. I'm going to get her name. Let's just call her Jenny. Jenny. Jenny Jenny from the Not Block. Jenny from the Not Block. I think she's Jennifer Ely, but I might be wrong. Yeah. Uh, And and Michael Sheen, who um, is fantastic. And is still fantastic. And is still doing great stuff. Yeah. And he's he's very much. Just ignore Twilight. He's very much the heart of the film in this. Oh, I haven't watched those films. He would have been 27, 28 when this was made. He's such a little baby. He's so little. Yeah, he is. You see his little bum at one point. I know. Which I have to say. Jude Law, who's fantastic. There was a lot of. There's a lot of butts in this. But a lot of male nudity, which mm. um, I think obviously is quite fitting. Well, it makes sense. It's yeah, yeah it's, it's fitting for, yeah. for what this film is. I do wonder if I don't know that a contemporary remake of this film would have as much nudity because it does feel like the it f- would no, either think, have a lot less or a lot more. I think it I, would. I kind of felt like a lot of the nudity was just there for the sake of going look men and their bums. It, it for me it felt like this because of the time period. It yeah. feels like. 
it's it's less common it than it is now to have that level of nudity. But male nudity is mm. always this thing of um it's seen as in some ways more sinister, yeah. I find, in yeah. films. Or as like, oh, that's just the step too far. Mm. Um, and I always find it very interesting when films decide to have male nudity. Mm. And in this one, I feel like there's just this level of innocence mm. in it, which sort of matches with the Victorian art ideals yeah. of the time. Like, yeah. You know, they were hearkening back to the Greeks and everything, which, you know, Os- within the movie, Oscar talks a lot about the whole, the relationship, the the teaching method of a older man teaching a younger man. Mm. And that was actually the, we know quite a lot about those kind of relationships. Yeah. Nowadays, that would be looked down upon because it's most likely um, pedophilia mm. or pedophilic in some, in most circumstances mm. but it it looked at sexuality in this like that era looked at sexuality in such an interesting way and they weren't as stuffy as we as modern people think that they were yeah mm. for sure um like it's really really interesting to look back at those eras and particularly looking back through film mm. to see which different decades decided well yeah 100 years on from when it was yeah. set to, and, but how they interpret their own history. Mm. Um, oh, sorry, how they interpret, not their own history, how they interpret the history of a particular era. The whole thing about, you know, the, the, the things that we know about Victorians that they were either massively sexually repressed, mm. which they weren't. Um, I mean, I'm sure the odd one was. Oh, but, yeah, I'm but, sure but, some of them were. Yeah. And, and they, they, that's where we get foot fetishes from because the ankle yeah. like seeing ankles oh, yeah, was so raunchy mm. that 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 that's how it developed it's it's a load of bollocks mm. absolute load of bollocks and speaking of a load of bollocks and the nudity that was mm. in this film the thing that struck me was a lot of the time when the nudity appeared it wasn't for me it didn't feel like it was serving a purpose other than showing like what the film is about it was yeah. sort of visually doing it but like that scene where jude law first goes up and has a smoke when he's completely nude mm feels i wasn't entirely sure what the point was but then it also struck me that it's actually treating male nudity like uh good old-fashioned female nudity in films where it's treating it it like a piece of art it's treating it like a piece of art but it's also there were scenes where it wasn't the point i went yeah, there's a lot of films with female nudity that doesn't serve a point either. Yeah. And so I actually liked it more. Mm. Um, but I do think if it was being made today, I don't know that showing male nudity would have that same value of surprise as it would have in 97. Possibly not. I think it would very much depend on how it was framed, mm. how it was presented. Yeah, because uh, like the scene where Michael Sheen, as, mm. as Robbie Ross takes clothes off and like, it's it's the first time Oscar has um, had sexual relations with another man. Yeah, I really thought that was done incredibly well. It was shot mm. really really well mm. and served that story just just greatly. Yeah, it sort of lost its impact when it was done a few more times throughout the film. But mm. at, but at the same time, that's probably it was, the it, point. It, it was the yeah. It was the point was that yeah, yeah he was. And it like, like particularly, it was like this new and exciting yeah. and like, oh my goodness, dangerous. Thing. But particularly yeah. with the Rent Boys as well, when we started mm. to see like, particularly, we only actually saw one sort of 
in-camera act of like a sexual act and even that was highly blurred it was highly blurred because it was just we were more focused on oscar in the shot it was was about his perspective of him Mm. watching and also about how removed oscar was physically yeah from this action because he and bosey had this sort of they were obviously i just just love having relations hauling ass out of there like just gathering up his shit and just like running out past the hotel proprietors who were just completely stone-faced but what it also does is it. it shows how removed Oscar and Bosey were and how their relationship never quite clicked in the same way that Mm. a healthier relationship like that between Oscar and Robbie was shown Mm. earlier in the film. Yeah, there's a big contrast between, Mm. you know, Robbie hanging out with the family and, you know, Mm. actually being friends with Constance and looking after her. He doesn't talk down to her. He doesn't talk down to her. And then you've Mm. got Bosey who just stands there and is very challenging and kind of filling up that space and mm. it's kind of like almost like he's it's not quite like he's taunting her but there's such a yeah he's he's definitely ma- not making her feel welcome no and he's he, like, certainly not he's very in one word for it would be he's very protective of oscar but i think the word is actually that he's quite selfish but mm. it's like oscar oh. is his current play thing yeah and yeah. he doesn't want to share he doesn't Oh, he's going to throw his toys out of the pram. Yeah. Mm. He is the selfish giant. The it's just that yeah. he's, he's a selfish to, giant he's a, he's asshole. A, yeah, he's going he to let his nanny pick it up asshole. afterwards. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that the selfish giant is kind of one of those narrative threads mm. that goes through over the top with the voiceover because I think it is mm. a really apt thing. And like, you know, that bit where it's Christmas and it's like the selfish giant realised, you know, how terrible he'd been and da 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 he felt yeah. really awful and all of that. Like, I feel like that was brought in... I like that Constance reads it at one point as well. Yeah, I like no. that it's not just... It's it's mostly Oscar, mm. but at one point we have Constance... I think pr- that shows it. how removed Oscar is, though. Mm. I think that's more the point. Yeah. As much as, like, yeah, it's this lovely moment. She's, she's engaging with this as well, and she is mm. making sure that there's this connection between Oscar and, and his children. But it, I, to me, it just highlighted, it's like, oh, he hasn't been there for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, that's, it, and that's why they call her Constant Constance. Yeah. She's and, just this very mm. constant presence, mm. and she's yeah. Her reading the story feels like it's her acknowledging that Oscar is also a selfish giant. Yeah, because it's one thing for Oscar to go, "Oh, I've been terribly selfish," and da 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 da. But yeah. for her to go, "Yeah, yeah, you, you're being a selfish person, but I'm not in a position where I can do anything." And of course, because of her health issues that come up later in the film, she is just yeah. increasingly a more peripheral figure in the film because she's a more peripheral figure in Oscar's life. Mm. And obviously, um, it, it, we, we end, when we end the film, she's, yeah. she's dead. And, and I think as we were talking during, during the film, um, I think her peripheralness is also because we just don't actually know that much about her. Mm. Um, like, Ellen, you can probably speak more to this because you would have playing well, her. Well, that's why I watched this, so I yeah. research about her. And that's when I found out about her statue. Mm. And you know all of that, and I found out that it had been facing one way and then the other, and like, it's, yeah, really. Interesting. Which I feel very conflicted about. Ellen, would you like to just break down what what Constant Statue is? Because I'm I'm a little bit familiar with it, but I'm sure there's listeners who have yeah, no idea sure. about so, it. Yeah, sure. So when I was researching Constance um, to play her in this in this play that I did about about Oscar's life, um, I went looking for information about her on the internet. This is like 2010, and so I went looking, and I found. The, there's the very famous in, in Dublin there is a very famous um, statue of Oscar and it's him reclining on a rock and people go there and they, they kiss the rock and there's lipstick 
all over it. Mm. So it's, it's quite a famous mm. statue. But it's not the only statue that's there. And interestingly, it was erected the same year as this film came out. It was 1997. Mm. And it was the first publicly erected monument to him, specifically in Dublin, mm. which they were like, he's like one of our biggest, most important playwriters. And the English like screwed him over. Finally, we have a thing of him. But there's, a, there's, there's the, the statue of him on the rock kind of reclining back and all that kind of thing. And there's a statue no, of... No, this grandeur. Yeah, there's a statue of um, Dionysus, but it's just like a, like a male torso, like a male disembodied torso on mm. like a plinth. And then there's another plinth. Um, it's, they're in like a sort of triangular type shape. And on it is a statue of Constance. Constance Lloyd, they've got it down as, because um, that was her maiden name. And she's kneeling and she's pregnant and she's looking over her shoulder and originally when they placed it she was looking away from him so her body was facing towards him so she's she's knelt down and she's holding her belly she's pregnant and she's naked she's kneeling and her body was facing towards him but she's looking over her shoulder away from him um and at some point they changed it and they turned her around so that now her body is facing away from him but she's looking over her shoulder at him almost like she's quite reproachful about him i'm not hmm. i'm not sure so like w w where she was positioned like I, yeah i think it's an interesting one to read because if she's got her body facing towards him but she's looking away it's kind of like oh you know shameful. shame it's quite shameful yeah. and they've sort of turned her and by turning this statue around it's almost like she's looking back at him yeah, quite she's reproachfully because she's quite little she's not people sized hmm. it's a small statue and I, yeah, I found out that the statue was there and then it had been turned and I was like, Do you know if really it was done with, with the permission or the, by the suggestion of the artist? I don't know. That's the thing because I remember reason, and this was, I mean, this was going back like 2010, so this is like 12 years ago was when I was researching it. But when I found out that the statue had changed, I was like, oh, that's so interesting. And I went looking briefly for it. Mm. Um, tonight to say, oh, is there anything about this? And I can't find anything. So I actually found it really hard to find information about um, the original positioning it was I found the picture mm. of what it looked like originally and what it looks like now because she's still looking over her shoulder at him now um, but also the fact that he's fully clothed and he's lolling about on this rock he's very cocky and she's she's naked and pregnant and like looking back at him like it's yeah it's, yeah and I think that kind of highlights um how what I was saying earlier about how different area areas areas mm. Jennifer area eras um <laughs> interpret history of different eras differently there's a nice little tongue twister for you that's a good one um so in the 50s for example looking back at history it was you know uh imperialism and mm. white supremacy basically um were kind of and and the idea that progression was constant and constantly moving forward yeah we never go backwards yeah that was very strong yeah. within the interpretation of history and then as you as the 20th century went along um revisionist history and uh, doing feminist viewing history through feminist lenses and stuff Marxist like that lenses and all yeah those, and all, all those, those different yeah. ideas took hold well at least in academia but not necessarily well they filtered into the layperson's perspective but not yeah. always completely and yeah, and so that's where we get all the like the myths of how we perceive different eras and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. 
I've just done a little bit of searching myself to do with the constant statue. Yeah. Um, it appears, this is from an article that was written in 2020, mm. um, that the orientation of the female nude of Constance had been changed. It should be noted, this is from the article, quote, it should be noted that the female nude is Oscar's wife, Constance Lloyd, who was pregnant when Oscar had his first homosexual encounter. Originally, she was facing Oscar, yes. but someone tried to steal the bronze, and when the park staff restored it, they installed it facing the wrong direction. Oh, that's really funny. Um, and then the tour guides came up with stories to explain why she had turned her back on her husband, end quote. So oh, I it, love that. It wasn't an it was artistic an statement. It was just when someone tried to nick the statue and they put it back, the, they, they installed it the uh, wrong uh, way and I bet it was just somebody who was like naked lady I'm going to steal that it wasn't probably even like some big artist like yeah they may have been just trying to melt down the bronze uh, yeah. yeah whereas oh that's so funny yeah when the park guys are like which way was she facing I don't matter I don't matter just stick her up there <laughs> but I love that because it, it completely changes the whole meaning of her statue yeah and and kind of what the mm. meaning yeah I think that's so interesting yeah and it's yeah. that's very funny it sounds like it was an error which is very funny that's very Irish isn't it just like which which way was she facing? I don't know. Just yeah. put her up. It'll yeah. be fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> the film ends with o Oscar and Bosi reuniting mm. and then a title card going, it didn't last. Uh, which I think <laughs> Three is, months and then yeah. well, no more. Mind you though, we don't know. It, it doesn't say Bosi could have been going, oh, I got to go back to the UK because I've got business interests, or, which is unlikely considering how he was presented in the film. Mm. Um, mm. But maybe he was planning on coming back. Maybe it was a temporary thing, but just in that time. Mm. Well, I can't, I don't remember what the it's title said. It's a lot of faith for somebody yeah. who the, the, every time he was on screen, you were like, the, I, could, you, I could just feel the dislike coming I mean, up in waves. I mean, Jude Law <laughs> did his job very mm. well. He did. The made, language of that title card did seem to indicate that it was it was a split. It doesn't mm. sound like it was, we really love each other. We must stay in touch. Oh no, Oscar has died. Yeah. It, didn't, it didn't come across like that. I mean, based on their relationship and the rest of the film and based on what we know about these guys, I'm presuming that yeah. Bosie got bored of him, especially yeah. because Oscar was really unwell. Um, obviously being in jail, had really messed with his health and stuff. And, and I imagine it probably would have affected him psychologically as well i mean yeah that was shown in the film like yeah. that that obsessive like trying to you yeah. know, put everything to rights and have it in its place and just those like the, the, those obsessive compulsive mm. sort of tendencies that he'd obviously developed and the hand tremors and yeah and things like that i mean you know he really lived a, ver a very you know i don't want to say a soft life but prior to that it, I mean, it, it was sheltered. It's amazing that he got through two years of hard labor without dying. Yeah. To be honest. I love the fact that when he leaves the jail, he says goodbye and thank you to the... To the guards. To the guards yeah. at the gate. I was like, I feel oh. like someone, <laughs> someone like Oscar Wilde, and I feel like this character has been written and I've read it somewhere, mm. is the type of person that is like, oh, no. I would always be a gentleman, even to my executioner, mm. because yes. because to lose the civilization is to lose mm. your soul. Mm. Yeah, something like that. And also, like his his reputation in England is is ruined mm. by the end of this film and by the end of his real life. And yet, the, he's, the, he's but, now still one of its most celebrated playwrights. But the idea of him honoring those traditions of yeah. like being polite is probably because mm. that's all he's got. Yeah. Because all he can do oh, now yeah. is be the best person he can. So at least those couple of guards will go, 
Well, I mean, everyone doesn't like him, and he's uh, a, but he a was polite to me. But but he said, he's a yeah, bugger, but he seems alright. He shook my hand and said, "Thank you, Mr. Harris," and I'll, I'll respect him for that because yeah, <laughs> I, I presume do. that's how all prison guards in 1900 <laughs> talk. Um, yeah, it's yeah, the film's not great. I'm just reflecting on it and going, mm. it's not a bad film, mm. but it, it's sort of just it, a bit. It drew me in the yeah. more it went, and I think it's quite because, slow as well. It just yeah. sort of unfolds mm. quietly and does yeah. its thing. It's um, yeah. I think I would have liked it better if it had focused a bit more on less things. Mm. Um, yeah, and actually just given a bit more, slightly more hyper focused on yeah. one aspect of Oscar's yeah. life. Well, it's like you said, Stephen. It would be re- it would be great just to watch the trial. Yeah, and, and they they've have, got that, a, they've got records from it. And you the, know? there have been other works which are focused on the trial, books and plays. And I was going to say, isn't there a play called The Trial of Oscar Wilde or something? Yes, which um, I, I know that there is definitely a um, a historical book written about it because it was written by Oscar Wilde's grandson, yeah. um, mm. Merlin Holland, uh, who was a wild um, historian. I feel like there is, because um, there's a section in the Fry Chronicles written like Stephen Fry, one of Stephen Fry's many memoirs, mm. um, where he, I think he talks about borrowing that from, as a kid, from his library, from like the little touring library that went around, mm. around the towns that he lived, um, around the town that he lived in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it, like he, he first fell in love with Oscar Wilde through his plays and things like that. Mm. He thought the language was so amazing. There is a 1997 play mm. called Gross Indecency, The Three Trials of Oscar Wilde mm. by Moises Kaufman. Okay. So same year this film was made, this play yeah. was also done. So um, yeah, there, there is stuff that is more based around the trial. There's also yeah. a film called The Trials of Oscar Wilde from 1960. Yes, mm. yes, um, that's right. Which was done by Ken Hughes. I've just looked up. And Peter Finch plays Oscar Wilde. Mm. And John Fraser is Lord Alfred Douglas. Mm. Or these, Lionel Jesse. These Jessica. names Nigel do not Patrick. mean anything to me. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, I mm. think it was interesting reading this section because Stephen Fry very heavily... If you, go, if you go... Well, if we are to take him at his word in his memoirs, very, very heavily identifies... Uh, with Oscar Wilde and fell in love with him as mm. a as a writer as a child, and then to find out what happened to him and I think he may have when when was that novel the trials the, the one written by his great grandson or his grandson written? Uh, I think it's in the two thousands. Oh, okay. I think it's so more it probably recent. wouldn't have been that one. Yeah. But yeah, when he 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 decided to research everything he could about mm. Oscar Wilde through all the books in the library. Mm. And he even got a stern talking to by the librarian because he was, he was only 12, mm-hmm. but he lied about his age, said he was 14. Yeah. Um, and the librarian obviously knew about Oscar Wilde's actual life mm. um, and was like, oh, don't know if you should be reading about these sort of things. Mm. Um, and she managed, he managed to convince her and then found out why he was imprisoned and it broke his heart because mm. he realised he, he. I think by that point he was already realising that he himself was gay. Mm. So mm. yeah, would you like some trivia about the movie Wild? Yes. Yeah, let's go. Okay, all of this trivia comes from IMDb. So if it's not true, don't blame me. And as we have already mentioned, this film was the debut film for a number of actors, yeah. Orlando Bloom, as we mentioned before. <laughs> uh, but we should also mention uh, James Darcy. 
uh, or, oh, yeah. or DRC. I never know with the apostrophe. I think it's Darcy. Yeah. Uh, Jarvis himself yeah. <laughs> from the MCU. Yes, this was his film debut, uh, as it was for uh, Ian Grufford. Oh, was it his debut? Oh, little baby. Yes. Ian. Little, little jealous second lover of yes. Oscar Wilde. With amazing hair. And and mm. the suggested inspiration for Dorian Gray. Mm. So. Oh, of course, yeah. Mm. Yeah, John Gray. Didn't think about that the whole well, time. Well, that and, you know, the, the scene where you first meet him. Yes. You're in a gallery. Yes, that's discussing right. Discussing portraiture. the plot, basically. Yeah. <laughs> the equivalent of going to be or not to be with a time traveller and William Shakespeare going, oh, I'm going to oh, write that down. That sounds interesting. Um, in the DVD commentary for this film, Stephen Fry, who is gay, admits that he was nervous about the love scenes with his co-stars who were all heterosexual. Mm. Um, and I presume still are. He remarked that Jude Law, Michael Sheen, and Ian Grufford were quick to put him at ease. Um, yeah, Stephen Fry did a lot of kissing in this film. Yeah. And it's a bit weird watching Stephen Fry kiss yeah. that much. I, can, can you please describe his kissing, Stephen? Because I think you hit, hit the nail on the head. Like a dog navigating a mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Just just that, that kiss with Constance was... It was meant to be awkward. Yes, yes. But it it just seemed extra awkward yes. because of all the connections we have with Stephen Fry yes. and who and, he is. And I think, and and again, if you read anything that he's written about himself, he he is, he himself admits he is not a very sexual person. He he doesn't interact with his own body a lot. Like he he keeps his own body in a sense at a distance. Mm. Uh, he's like, I'm very awkward. I'm yeah. That's just how I am. Mm. Uh, the producer of this film, Mark Samuelson, um, acknowledged that Stephen Fry was the perfect choice to play Oscar Wilde, mm. but said that casting him made it very difficult for them to finance this film due to Fry's lack of star power. Yeah. And I can understand that. Um, I don't know that the know film what? suffered, really, for not a lot of funding, because I feel as though the issues with this film are more directorial choices and script choices. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think... I think go and watch Age of Innocence because mm-hmm. I think that was made at a similar time and judging from that with more funding. Mm. Um, and it's set in... Oh, no, it's set in a slightly early earlier era, I mm. think. Um, and I think funding would make it look prettier, mm. which potentially can sometimes swing it to make it more interesting. Yeah, I suppose. Mm. Um, Michael Sheen and Ian Grufford would go on to portray British Prime Minister Tony Blair several times uh, after they made this film. Oh, Grufford's done that as well. Yes. Oh. So uh, Michael Sheen has done a hat trick of Tony Blair appearances yeah. in The Deal from 2003, The Queen, which mm-hmm. we reviewed recently from 2006, and The Special Relationship from 2010. Yeah. Grufford portrayed him in Oliver Stone's biopic of George W. Bush from 2008 called oh. W. And when I say biopic, it not not maybe the... the it's the right word, but it's also mm. more of a, a pastiche, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but yes, um, Grufford played Tony Blair in oh. that. He does, like, I Michael Sheen, I see it. Yeah. It's a very... And, and also, he's just a good actor. Mm. Ian Grufford, mm, no, I don't, I don't see it. Well, well, we'll have to go and watch W at some yeah, point to so. see. The final bit of trivia is um, Roger Ebert, uh, one of the, obviously, most well-known film reviews from America, um, 
during his lifetime, uh, reviewed this film and said that uh, this film had, quote, the good fortune to star Stephen Fry, a British author, actor and comedian who looks a lot like Wilde and has many of the same attributes. He is very tall. He is somewhat plump. He is gay. He is funny, and he makes his conversation into an art. That he is also a fine actor is important, because the film requires him to show many conflicting aspects of Wilde's life, and he brings a depth and gentleness to the role. I'd agree with the gentleness. Yeah, same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the depth, there is some there. I think, yeah, in some points. I think ultimately, your enjoyment of this film maybe comes down to, one, how much you actually know about Oscar Wilde's life Mm. because I think if you know very little about it this film is a bit more enjoyable because the story is interesting and finding out what's going to happen I think is quite I don't think you necessarily need to know much about his life but I think you definitely need to have an appreciation of his work yes because the work doesn't actually get displayed that much the wit Mm. Is, is there and present. They, they, they have a lot of quotes from the plays in yeah. the dialogue. Just yeah. as nice little drop-in moments. Yeah, yeah. but like we, we see a little bit of the end of the importance of being earnest mm. and that's about it. Like We we, we, yeah. we know that Lady Windermere's fan was put on but we yeah. don't see it. You know, mm. We don't hear a handbag or anything like that happening at any point, which is a shame, but mm. you know, they were probably focusing on other things. They do the most famous part of De Profundis. Yeah, at the yeah. end, and and uh, and obviously and the, obviously the yeah. selfish giant is is pretty front and center yeah. for, for how it's, it's used. It's a shame because the Happy Prince is great. I'll have to read that. Happy Prince is super depressing. Mm. It's like mm. one of the most depressing. so so good to read to the nieces and nephew. Yeah, I've got a. I've, I've spoken about this before on this podcast. I had a Riz Digest animated film thing that Mum bought, and it was a double feature with The Little Mermaid, like the original, and mm. Christian Anderson one where she gets told, well, if you kill him, then you won't die. Like, or like you full on. And she, and, she, and she turns into sea foam, like yeah. that version. Not oh, the knives man. on the feet level. And the double feature with that was The Happy Prince, oh, gosh. which is about a statue and a bird. And I'm not going to tell you any more than that so that you can go and be depressed. I will, you I will investigate. <laughs> the, the bird does a big poo on the statue. Yeah. And then as revenge, Shit. the statue does a big poo on the bird. Mm. Is, is that what it is? I haven't, I haven't absolutely. read it either. No, it, it's, it's I, a really like, sad I feel like story. you need to write this story in response. I will, I will. I'll get right on to it. Um, so all that remains is for us to score the film. Yeah. And Katrina, it was your first time watching Wild from 1997. What would you give it out of 10? Um, really not sure. I think... I'm going to go in with a solid six and a half Michael Sheen bums, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which just so you know, same value given to like the Jude Law bum or we didn't see Ian Grufford's bum, did no. we? No. We saw yeah. him in Repulsed, but that was yes. about it. Yes. Uh, same value to all of those bums. They are, there is, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot to enjoy. It is, it is the kind of movie that you, I feel like would come on at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday, mm-hmm. um, mm. on SBS. Um, because of the bums. Because yeah, of the bums. because of the male bums. But also I just feel like this rhythm, it's very, it, 
the rhythm of the of the piece is is very would fit with SBS and mm. stuff like that. And it yeah, it just makes me think of all those old movies um, that I that would come on at that time when I was a kid on the TV. It's yeah, it's not a bad film, but it's not. It could be so much stronger, and mm. I think there's a lot of really good things working for it. Um, unfortunately, I think it gets stuck in being too true to the person's life mm. or being too didactic, maybe. Um, I think biopics mm. don't need to tell us everything about a person's life. Mm. Um, and I think they sometimes do a disservice to that person's memory or work or personage or essence by trying to do that mm. because a person cannot be captured on a bit of film. A part mm. of them can be, but not all of them. Mm. I think that, that's entirely fair. Mm. Uh, what about yourself, Ellen? Um, yeah, I agree. I don't think it's like a stellar film. I think it's a fine film. I'm going to give it... Um, Six witty repartees out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I'm in a similar boat to you, Ellen, having mm. seen it before, where it, it I, I remembered it more fondly than I think perhaps the mm. quality of the film actually is. Um, and it could just be. It's been ten years. I've watched a lot of films since then. Oh, yeah. 286 the style based of film, like, on this. Uh, the style of filmmaking now is so far removed from it Mm. It, i think it makes it a bit more jarring yeah it's but but it's not a bad film and i think if you haven't seen it 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 is worth a watch i think there are some great performances in it particularly uh jude law yeah um it's yeah it's worth a watch but i don't know that it's walk don't run i guess to to this film you know if Mm. you've got a couple of hours to spare it's a perfectly fine way to spend the time it's it's a good drama yeah uh, shout out again to tom wilkinson as lord queensbury yeah. just being the grumpiest like violent scrooge look-alike that there is like i think he epitomizes the really good casting mm. like just yeah so good yeah he he and jude law were, were perfectly cast in this yeah. film and, and do a great job as indeed- how do you feel about <laughs> cremation <laughs> I'm for it. I'm for it. <laughs> yeah, and it and it works really well, and they bounce really nicely off Stephen Fry, Michael Sheen, Zoe Wanamaker. Like it's, yeah. and, and we haven't even talked about Vanessa Redgrave. No, kind of because her character as feels superfluous as to as the well, film. Unfortunately, I think the film does suffer from something that I feel was common in in Stephen Fry in sorry, <laughs> common in Oscar Wilde's life. Women existed in the periphery. Mm. They were, which is why I have such a massive issue with um, some of the ideals within. It's going to sound like I'm I'm being against gay people, but Mm. it's not. There is, or at least there was within the Victorian era, within the homosexual circles, that homosexuality was more pure. And it's nothing to do with the fact that they just wanted to be themselves or anything. It was their way of showing that they were better than women. Mm. Yeah. Um, and we don't need them. And we don't need that. What's the song from um, Jackman's Guide to Love and Murder? Which it's is better with a man. Yeah, it's better with a man, which is oh, like yeah. a comic take on that idea. 
You'd like a gentleman's guide to love. Yeah, I felt like yeah that that I think that song, which despite being a song where it's like, oh, we're we're gay, but we haven't acknowledged it. Yeah. Um, I feel like it feeds into that uh, that idea of yeah this quite um female exclusive ideology that they had because mm. you know following that greek ideology um it's it's men teaching men it's the older man and the younger yeah. man everything is framed around that yeah. um and, and yeah i can i can it it, it is female exclusive exclusatory mm. but i also you know i don't think this film is is painting oscar wilde to be some sort of horrible misogynist um but i think he they, i think he potentially was yeah and and that's just um, it is i think this is the purest form of love that can exist, yeah. that yeah. type of thing. Which and makes me think the Constance biopic could be quite interesting. Yeah, I, I would be very intrigued to see the lives of those women um, because they would have been... There's a reason why Oscar Wilde is so smart and it was probably because of his mum. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think, where these kind of period films do do a disservice. Yeah, and Vanessa Redgrave does feel a bit wasted in that yeah. role. Yeah, I mean, good. if you think about it, Zoe Wanamaker is wasted as well. As Ada. Yeah. She, she's in there for a couple of quick lines and kind of to push the story along. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the it. rest of it's all Robbie. Yeah. yeah. Or Bosie, or, yeah. Yeah. It's very much focused about the men in mm. his life. And you get no sense of Constance really at all beyond her connection to him yeah she beyond and the only time where you get like this little crack into it is when she's talking to robbie about oh you know i'm sick or she's talking to oscar when she's like oh by the way if you want to have if like i won't divorce you but you're not allowed to see bosie again mm-hmm. um that's the only time you see her and yeah yeah um but for a score i should probably say oh, yes yeah, um, yeah. interrupt <laughs> no no it, it, it was just because i realized we hadn't discussed yeah. vanessa redgrave and that felt like a a mistake so yeah. we had to rectify that um I, I would give it six jude law bums out of ten to go with mm. your six and a half michael sheens i was yeah. thinking of bums as well yeah, yeah. it's um yeah <laughs> it, it's a very it's a very bummy film uh but it's <laughs> but in a good way a bummer film a, a bummer, bugger film a, yeah a bummer bummy film with a lot of bum chums being uh, glum bums by the end of it <laughs> very glum yes uh, but that brings oh. us to the end of this review of wild uh, so katrina and ellen thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the cinema catch-up club thank you thanks for having me and for those of you listening at home thank you for listening in it's October, which means that we'll be doing our Halloween episode soon. Ooh. Will what? Oscar Wilde be haunting us? No. He's not. <laughs> he's not on any of the films, which at the time of recording, uh, we have a short list. But by the time this episode comes out, we will know <gasps> the identity of our winning film. So if you want to know which spooky film we're going to be reviewing shortly on this program, head over to our Facebook page, search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club, and you will see the winner posted there by the time this episode is live we also have a patreon patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast uh, bonus goodies and extras for as little as a dollar a month and finally there is uh subscriptions itunes soundcloud spotify however you choose to get your podcast we can be found there but that is all for this week so until next time goodbye Bye-bye. bye
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.